what to do when there's nothing left to do. The first thing I want to tell you before I read the scripture and before I refer to scriptures about this message is, since I'm calling it what to do, I'm going to tell you first of all what not to do. When you come to the place that you feel like there's nothing left to do, there's nothing left you can do, you've done all you can do, you've exhausted all of your energy, all of your time, all of your faith, and you're at the place that you don't know what to do next. And if you've never been there, you will be. You will face something that you will feel like has you in its grip, and you cannot get past this. You try, you work, you struggle, you pray, you call on God, you ask others for help. But when it's all said and done, you're still right there in that same dark room with that same locked door, with that same shut-in feeling that you can't get past and you don't know what to do next. If you haven't experienced that yet, I hope it'll be a long time before you do, but it may not be. The enemy is putting us, everyone that he can, as soon as he can, in that position and wants to keep us in that position as long as he can. I'm going to tell you what not to do when you get to that place. The first thing I want you to remember about what to do when there's nothing left to do, the first thing is don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you quit, you lose. If you quit, there's no more hope. If you quit, you've given up. And when you give up, you lose. What you have to do is to make up your mind. Yeah, it may not be God giving you a revelation from heaven to tell you this. That's why I'm going to tell you. Make up your mind. I will not give up. I will not quit. I will not be defeated. I may feel defeated. I may look defeated. Sometimes I may even act defeated. But in my heart and in my spirit, I am not defeated because I have not quit. I'm still holding on for what God's going to do. That's what Job experienced. He went through the great trial of life that all of us use as an example. He had three wonderful friends. They almost destroyed him with their counsel. He had a blessed wife who said to him after he had lost everything he had, his whole family except her had been killed. I think there was a reason the devil let her live. He killed the rest of them. And finally his wife said, after he was covered with boils and, and couldn't figure out why God had let this happen, she said, why don't you just curse God and die? All of his friends said, it's your fault, you failed God, that's why this happened. But Job said, no. And here's the one thing that Job held on to. It's not the greatest example of understanding God, but there were a lot of things that weren't understood about him back in those days. What Job said was this, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. 
I've lost everything I had. My family's gone. All of my friends and my wife are counseling me to quit and give up because they believe I've turned to sin and failed God. But one thing I've decided is I will not give up. I will not quit. I will not give up on God. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. That's what the three, three Hebrew boys did when they were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, whether our God delivers us or not, we don't know if He's going to deliver us or not. We know He can do it, but we don't know if He's going to do it. But it doesn't matter. Because if He delivers us from the fiery furnace, we're going to trust Him. And if He lets us go into the fiery furnace and not come out, we're still going to trust Him. We're still going to trust Him no matter what. Because we will not quit. So the first thing you have to decide, the first thing you have to decide is to position your feet to place yourself, plant yourself, and not give up. That's why the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, or stands in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper planted by the rivers of water. Sometimes you just got to plant your feet and stand strong. It doesn't matter what's swirling around you, what the waves are, what the storms are, what the attacks are. You've got to plant your feet and say, I will not quit. I will not give up. I stand here by the grace of God and I will not move from this place. Do you know that there are more people who die from suicide in this country every year than are killed in car accidents? They just give up. Just give up. But I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to speak on your behalf. I'm going to speak on your and my behalf. I'm going to say this. We won't quit. Hallelujah. <laughs> we will not quit. You know, one of the darkest times of Jesus' ministry. He, Jesus had fed the 5,000 and he had taught people... The, the, the meaning of the bread of life. And he, and he spoke to them strong terms, difficult for them to comprehend. And there came a time, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting this in succinct form, the whole chapter 6 of John is about this. In the last part of the chapter, down about verse 66, 67, 68, the Bible says that many of his disciples left him and fled. They forsook him. They, they just walked away. They couldn't handle the strength of his teaching. And so they just gave up and they walked away. It's, 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 it's really a sad verse. It's a sad verse. And it says, because it just says, many of them, many of his disciples left him, went away. And Jesus almost almost in a sorrow of a broken heart, turns to his disciples and looks at, at, looks at the 12 of them and, 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 and asks them, are you going to forsake me as well? And Simon Peter looks around and sees all the other ones and he gauges what they all are feeling and believing by their face and he looks at and then he speaks for all of them. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
for you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go, Lord. There's nowhere else to turn. There's nobody else to look to. There's no one else to follow. We've made up our minds. We decided when we left the boats and the fishermen's life. We decided when we left the tax collector's table. We decided when we walked over all the way from Capernaum. We've decided that we will follow you and we are here, your servants. Where else can we go, Lord? Because we know that you have the words of eternal life. You are the everlasting Son of God. And that's where you and I stand today. That's where you and I stand today. With the multitudes left him, and Jesus asked if his other disciples would leave him, they made a commitment to him that was a pledge of their lives and their future. And they said, where else can we go? Because we know that you have the words of eternal life. That was a time when Paul had taken a new partner in his missionary travels. The man's name was Silas. He was a great man of God. Paul and Barnabas had separated, and, he, and, and Paul and Silas were traveling together. And they got to the town of Philippi after having struggles and difficulties all along the way. But when they got there, they ran into real opposition. It looked like there was great support, but a young woman was following them every day, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. Follow them, believe them. And it was a demon that was speaking those words. So Paul, not wanting to be identified with the demonic spirit and, and, and evil that people understood as a, as a work of a darker world, turned to her one day after being exasperated with it all and said, I adjure you, come out of that woman. And he cast the demon out. The demon left. And then after that, she had no further spirit of divination. So her masters had lost a, a means of income. They were very angry about it. So they turned the people against Paul and Silas. They took them and grabbed them, and then they whipped them, beat them with rods, the Scripture says, and then they had them cast in jail. And the jailer was admonished, let nothing happen to these men that they might escape. Secure them and hold them here. So he not only put them in jail, he put their feet in the stocks, anchored them to the wall in chains. And so here they are, Paul and Silas sitting in the jail, no help, nobody on the outside coming. They don't, they don't have any expectation that a lawyer's going to come in there and get them turned loose. No bail's been set. There's no discussion about letting them loose under any circumstances. And so here they are, locked in the jail cell, bound with chains to the wall, and they're sitting there. And what do you think they start doing? Paul says, it's about time for us to give up, Silas. I'll tell you, I've been working this thing a long time, and here I am again, in jail again. That's about, don't, don't you think it's about time to quit, Silas? And Silas looks over and says, well, you know, I've been thinking the same thing, Paul. Well, we've been through a lot. Can you hear that conversation? I can't. I can't. I don't think one of them said anything like that. I don't think either one of them said anything at all like that. I don't think it even crossed their mind. I don't think quitting crossed their mind. I don't think it ever dawned on them that they ought to give up. What they did was, as a little bit of time passed and it got on over towards midnight, they were singing. <laughs> they were singing and praising God. Hallelujah. You think it's hard sometimes to sing when you get up in the morning and you know what you've got to face today? What if you were facing that? But you see, the victory is in praise. 
The victory is in worship. The victory is in surrendering to God. The victory is in not giving up, but holding on to God. That's the victory. Thank you. That was one of those eight times. I'm glad you knew it. And so, and so, Paul and Silas said, let's sing. What do you want to sing, Paul? Let's sing Psalm 23. When they sing that. Now, what about you, Silas? What are you like? I like Psalm 25. Because I remember over there in Psalm 25, the Lord said, I will pluck your feet out of the net. <laughs> let's sing about that and get plucked out of here, Paul. And so they start singing. And they're singing and praising God and worshiping God. And all of a sudden, the unexpected happened. There was an earthquake. They weren't praying for an earthquake. They were just praising God because they were privileged to suffer for His namesake. They were praising God, worshiping God, singing and glorifying God, and God sent an earthquake. And it swung open the jail cell doors and broke the manacles off their ankles. They were free to stand up and walk about. And so were all the other prisoners in the jail. And there was such a commotion that the jailer came running in and he saw the men walking around. He thought some of them had escaped and he knew his life was in jeopardy if any of those prisoners had escaped and he was about to kill himself. One of those suicides I was talking about earlier. He was about to kill himself. And Paul said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't harm yourself, we're all here. This is not an earthquake so we can escape. This is an earthquake so we can testify. This is an earthquake so we can glorify. This is an earthquake so we can move with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, so the jailer saw that they were all there. And wow, wow. I don't know what's happened, but I know something great and mighty has happened. And these men, if they wanted to, could be running up and down the streets now, escaped and gone, but they haven't. And these two men standing right here, I think, are the ones who've kept them here. Something is going on. I heard them singing. I heard them singing about the God of Israel. I heard them singing about the God of glory. I heard them singing his praises and honoring him. There must be something to this. He came and fell down before them. He fell down before them. And he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, when there's nothing left to do, don't quit. When there's nothing left, Nowhere to turn. You've got to put your hope somewhere. You've got to cast it on someone. Now's the time. Now, don't quit. Now's the time to believe. Now is the time to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. And the man was saved and his whole household was saved. And the important thing is this. The important thing is this. They knew this was the time to praise God. It isn't when you feel like it. It's time to praise God when it's time to praise God. There's nothing else to do. Praise God. I thank the Lord. I thank Him daily that I'm saved, that He saved me. Cleansed my sins, made me a child of God. One August night years ago, He came into my heart and saved me, and I praise Him. I thank, you. I thank Him for that. But then I praise Him. Because he died for the sins of the world. He's the Savior of all men. He rose from the dead so that every person who believes on him can be justified. He is the Savior of the world. 
I thank him because he has a plan for my life and he's working in my life and leading me in my life. But I praise him because the, um, he's the omniscient God who knows the plan for every person's life, who knows the end before the beginning, who knows all of the plan that he has put in place for every one of us and is omniscient, he knows all things. I thank God, I praise God, I thank God, I thank God, rejoice that daily he exhibits his power in me enabling me to live for him. I thank God for that. But I praise him because he's all powerful. He has power to do all things. He has unlimited power. He can turn the earth on its axis, stop the moon in its place, and move in mighty powerful ways that the world does not understand because our omnipotent God is unlimited in his power. Sometimes we thank him, sometimes we praise him. That's what the writer of the song said when he said, All I claimed was swept away. My ambitions, plans, and wishes at my feet in ashes lay. So what shall I do? And then he goes on with the chorus of the song. I will praise him. I will praise him. Praise the Lamb for sinners slain. Give him glory, all you people, for his blood can wash away each stain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll thank him. I'll praise him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is what the psalmist says. And I want to tell you that as God leads us, as God leads us, all those days won't be bright and brilliant sunshine. God leads us and he'll lead, sometimes lead us through difficulties. But that's why we need him. The easy times we make it on our own. We wanted to. Hard times when we need God. We need him not just when we're on the mountaintop. We need him when we're in the valley. We need him when, when the difficult times come. And this is what God says. I'll be with you. I will be with you in those times. This is what he said in Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. There's nothing that can destroy you if you're walking with God because He will bring you through it. He will bring you through it every time if you walk with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some through the waters... Some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Hallelujah. Sometimes on the mount where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me give you one more example from the Scriptures. The Israelites were ready to go over into the Promised Land. They'd sent the spies out. They'd, they'd come back with different reports. Then they'd sent the spies out, and they found Rahab, and she was going to have things prepared for them when they came to her city. And 
Now they needed to cross over Jordan. And it was at the time of the year that the Jordan overflows its banks. And they didn't know how they were going to get across the river. So Joshua listened to the Lord. And the Lord told him to have the Levites. Now the Levites were the tribe who led worship. They led praises to God. That was their commission to lead worship, to lead praises to God, to bring the Israelites into the worshipful presence of the Lord. And God told Joshua to tell the Levites to go stand in the edge of the water of the River Jordan. Walk right up and put their feet right in the water. And so all the Levites that were commissioned to do that went and took their place. And they walked a little bit into the water not knowing what was going to happen. But the Levites, remember, now lead worship. The Levites bring praise to God. The Levites bring other people into the presence of God. So they weren't there to build a bridge. They were there to believe God and worship God and let God work and do what He willed to do to get His people to the other side of the overflowing river. So they stepped out into the water and waited for the command of Joshua. And they were just worshiping and leading praise and singing to God. And the people, the hundreds of thousands of the people began to worship and sing and praise God and, and declare His glory and began to believe God. And as they did, a marvelous thing happened. They had seen it before at the Red Sea. A marvelous thing happened. The water that was flowing down that kept the river overflowing its banks started to seal up and the water wasn't coming down into that part of the river anymore and as that stopped then the water flowed out and, and, and the land became dry now I'm, when I tell you that God's going to lead you through the rivers I, I want you to understand I'm speaking figuratively I, I don't want anybody to get confused and one man, I heard one man who was talking about what he did as a young Christian and he said when he got saved he wanted to be just like Jesus and so he went down to the river. I don't know what river it was, wherever he lived. But this, this, this is someone that I know who, who said this. He said he went down to the edge of the river, and he, and he walked into the edge of the river, put his feet in it, and God, now I'll walk across. I'll walk across the water for you, Lord. And but he starts walking across the water, but but he's not on the top of the water. The water gets up to his knees and up over his knees, and by the time it starts getting up to about his hips, he decided, wait a minute, I'm not walking on the water. I don't know how long it took him to finally realize that, but he, but he decided he would turn around and wait and come back another day when his faith was stronger. And so he came back on another day, and he walked out there charged up in his faith, and he got up to the edge of the water. He thought God was going to help him walk across the river on the water, so he stepped out into the water. Feet got a little bit wet, but he, that's okay. A little further, up over his ankle. A little further, up to his knees, just like it was the last time. It took him three or four times before he realized he was never going to walk on water. He didn't need to walk on water. So God doesn't waste things. He said. Now, I don't want any of you, because I'm going to tell you God's going to lead you through the rivers. I don't want any of you to go down here to the St. John's and think you can walk across it. <laughs> See, that's why he built the Buckman Bridge. <laughs> or the Shans, whichever one you're closest to and what's better for you. See, you don't need to walk across the river because he's already got bridges across it. But you may come to some place where there ain't no bridges, folks. You may come to a place that's an obstacle and there isn't any way to get across on your own. 
when you come to that place. And if God wants you on the other side, God will help you get on the other side. Just like he did the Israelites when he shut off the water, it dried up, and they all marched across on dry land. You say, preacher, do you really believe that? Yes, I do. Why? Because the Bible says it happened. And the Bible says to me that when you need help from God, he'll help you. When you call on God, he'll come to your rescue. When you stand with the Lord, he will not let you down. He will not fail you. When there's nothing left to do, hold on to God. Don't give up. When there's nothing left to do, what do you do? You hold on to God. You praise God. You worship Him. You glorify His name. You say, God, in all things, you're still God. I don't understand what's happening, but you're still God. I don't know why this is going on in my life, but you're still God. Not only that, you're my God. You're my God. You're the one I love, Lord. You're the one I trust, Lord. And in spite of everything, no matter what my sight tells me, no matter what the circumstances tell me, no matter what the conditions are, I do know this. I love you, Lord, and you love me. And I'm going to stand until you deliver me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. So when, you, when there's nothing left to do, there's always something left to do. There's always something left to do. And that's hold on to God. And if you're worried about your grip getting just a little bit loose, don't be too concerned about it. Because if your grip starts getting a little bit loose, if God knows you want to hold on to him, he'll keep holding on to you. You may not have enough strength to hold on all the time yourself, but when you can't hold on, he's holding on to you. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to turn you loose. He's going to hold on to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe it, don't you? I believe it, don't you? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.